You are listening to The Current Podcast, the official podcast of UC San Diego's IT Services Department. I'm your host, Miguel Rodriguez. Today is Wednesday, May 26th. Can you believe it? Our final podcast of the month of May. Oh, how the year doth fly. We've got a great interview today with Kevin Chow, so let's get right into it. This is Marv Herzberger, Communications Manager. Today, I'm joined by Kevin Chow. He's a member of our SMT. Kevin, welcome back to the pod. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. You got it. And I thought we'd start off, if you don't mind, just describing your role and position here in IT services. Sure. I am a member of the senior management team here at IT services. I'm reporting to Vince Cowan, our CIO. Um, I'm joined by a team uh, of individuals that provide systems and services to support the business enterprise of the university. Our teams uh, span major areas of the business administration, which includes everything from uh, HR to finance, research administration, student information systems management, as well as uh, all of the things that make up our community, including uh, efforts in resource management and planning, things like facilities, things like buildings, capital assets, as well as our housing and dining operation and our fundraising activities uh, across the university. A lot going on there. You're also, uh, I guess, the program director from the, for the ESR program. And so let's start there. We learned recently that the Student Information System Project concluded its RFP without an award. What exactly does that mean? Great question. So uh, ESR, what's that, right? Well, we haven't been hearing way too much about it over the last several years. We've gone through a tremendous amount of change. Uh, as well as a ton of progress over the last four years, thanks to everyone's hard work here in ITS as well as beyond. Where we're at right now is to really wrap up with uh, our student information system and our identity management system. Uh, With the SIS, uh, the CRP gave us an opportunity to learn a lot about the marketplace. CRP is the conference room pilot that was conducted during the RFP process. Um, What we've learned, which is exactly what we intended to do, is to get insight into what's out there, is that there really isn't a modern student information system that we're happy with and that we're ready to adopt and implement uh, right away. So what that means is, uh, one, the, the RFP did exactly as it was designed to do, which is the learning. We did not find a system that we're happy with implementing as is, and so the no award really is uh, exactly what that is, is we're not going to be awarding the, the bid uh, to any one supplier. Instead, uh, what we have uh, decided to do in working with our administrative and our academic leaders is that we should, we should not begin an implementation until there is something that is going to meet our needs. In the meantime, we have to maintain our current system while, while continuing to work with suppliers to influence where they're going to end up with their student information system. Why is this important is because at the end of the day, we still intend to adopt and implement a new SIS when it's ready. 
And so why not take the opportunity now to influence where vendors are going with their product? So that way, when they get there, we will be ready to adopt something that is going to as closely match our needs as possible. Okay, so the so it sounds like the project is definitely still continuing. And then, what are what are some of the other things that are going to happen in the meantime, as as you as you said, work with other vendors or keep looking at the market? Yeah, that's a great question. So the work is absolutely continuing. Uh, there's actually a tremendous amount of uh, activity going on around the SIS literally right now as we speak. One of the most important aspects of our strategy with the Enterprise Systems Renewal Program is the concept of prehabbing or preparation. And with that, our efforts have continued in the areas of current and future state business process improvement. Um, that activity is running uh, through the end of this month and slightly into June. Uh, we're uh, in the process of inventorying all of the downstream systems that we intend to keep, uh, as well as all of the most commonly utilized reports that is being taken out of our current student information system. And so the idea here is that we're not going to stop what we're doing. We're going to continue the preparation work so that we're building reports before we go live with the new student information system by transitioning all of the data sources to come out of the student activity hub. We're also in the process of identifying systems that we intend to keep when the new SIS goes live and start remediating those applications by integrating them with the student activity hub instead of with the current data warehouse. Uh, the concept here is that we want to be as turnkey as possible by the time a new student information system is ready so that we're both mitigating the risk of anything not being ready by the time we go live, as well as containing the scope of the overall implementation so we're not increasing the amount of work effort that might need to go in within a short period of time. And why is it critical to keep working towards uh, identifying and implementing a, a, a next generation student system despite the no award? Well, despite the no award, our, uh, our goal is still the same. We are absolutely committed to continuing to build a foundation uh, for the next 25 years uh, with a new uh, technology architecture as it relates to the new SIS. Uh, we're absolutely committed to addressing many of the pain points that was discovered during the planning of ESR, uh, as well as all of the feedback that was received from faculty and students as part of our experiential analysis and design effort that took place a year and a half ago. Uh, all of these things still points to um, a critical need uh, that we have to implement um, the, our next generation SIS. We just don't want to rush into this critical need by adopting something that ultimately is not going to be where we want to be. And in addition, you know, uh, several people spent a lot of time during the conference room pilot listening to this pers prospective vendors. And then in addition to that, a lot of work has put into, been put into doing the process, process landscapes and other such exercises. What happens to that work? Well, all of that work is transferable. And in fact, all of that work is critical. Um, we absolutely need to complete our current and future state process design before we start the implementation of a new student information system, whatever it may be. Um, all of the prehabbing, the downstream, the reports are all critical. Uh, we would do all that work regardless. And the CRP really helped us understand what is possible with the adoption of a new SIS, as well as what is not ready. And so the way I look at it is none of the stuff that's been done is throwaway. Um, uh, we want to keep as much of that uh, momentum moving forward. 
And another prominent uh, ESR project was the financial information system that, that was released last year, July 1st. What's the latest on the stabilization efforts uh, on that system and project? Um, with the FIS implementation, the latest on stabilization really is around the introduction of a lot of new reports. These reports that were not ready at the time that FIS went live is now in the hands of faculty, largely now uh, it's been in the hands of fund managers as well as departmental fiscal managers. So as far as stabilization effort is concerned, a huge uh, credit to obviously uh, all the teams that have worked nonstop to making sure that the technology is working, is functioning and is behaving uh, as, as positively and as performant as possible. And so I would say that you know my hope is that as we gear up for fiscal year end, um, we will uh, at that point have seen everything there is to see uh, in a new financial system over the course of 12 months. And that uh, starting in the new fiscal year, um, we'll really be focusing our efforts around how do we now improve, modify and change uh, many of the things that uh, have gone into place if they haven't already been improved since go live. And um, you know, many other ESR projects have also come online the last couple of years. Quali Research, Equitime come to mind even before that. Face Management System, Real Estate System. So what are some just general updates on maybe on ESR as a program and perhaps more specifically the idea that ESR is always intended as a blend of both implementing new technology but matching that with business process optimization? How has that been playing out for the systems that have come online? The best way to answer that is really looking at the amount of change management that's gone into ServiceNow. Over the last uh, year and a half to two years, um, we have been in a constant state of change. Lots and lots of changes to configuration, to integration, to software code, uh, all in an effort to improve on what was implemented at GoLive. And that's really to be expected because you know, when you think of all of these processes, um, these processes were simulated in people's minds, right? They were mapped out in Visio and Lucid charts, and they were implemented with the best intentions. That being said, uh, a lot of learning happens at GoLive um, when people are forced to utilize the new system. And that's what we're seeing, is we're seeing this, uh, this initial reaction to a lot of business processes and, and systems that went into effect um, at GoLive. There's this dip you know, in productivity as people are learning, and adjusting to a new way of doing things. And then this discovery phase of, oh, wow, that, that, that decision really wasn't a good decision. How do we change that decision um, in the new world? Okay, let's talk a bit more general. Appreciate those uh, updates on some of those specific projects. So you talked a little at the top of the interview, the, the area of IT services uh, that you're leading up, it's called the business technology services, uh, let's call it team. How would you describe uh, the role of this uh, department and the services that are provided? Uh, a good way to describe us um, would be, you know, really we're an extension of the enterprise, the extension of the business. Oftentimes, IT is viewed as a, a cost center that provides the necessary evils of doing business. I don't see us as that. Um, I always joke that you know, when things are working as expected, um, we should be in the, um, jokingly, but so, somewhat true, I guess, we should be invited to the holiday parties, right? Not in ITS, but in the business. And the reason is because we should be 
sort of the adopted child of, uh, of the folks that are delivering on those mission and we should be um, one of the same. Um, so I, I, I don't like the distinction that gets drawn often between business and IT. Um, we should be all part of the university business and uh, our groups that span all of the different domains of business and administration um, really is that extension. And so um, everything from you know, our philanthropic efforts to research, to teaching, um, of course, not the actual delivery of teaching, but the support activities that go around teaching is instrumental in, in making the university operate. And so um, the way I look at our group, it really uh, is blurred between us and the units that we support. And I hope that uh, that line becomes um, you know, not, not as clear as, uh, as uh, some folks tend to see it when, when they're drawing that distinction between um, the business and IT. What are some of the highlights um, from the last year or so that you'd like to share with our listeners? The amount of um, accomplishments in terms of projects and in terms of uh, meeting the needs of everything from mandates to compliance, as well as to improvements all the way to COVID and, and addressing all of the needs that have come out of it. I mean, the, the accomplishments are countless. I think uh, the one thing that I always encourage uh, my team to do is to take a step back and just look at the amount of change and the amount of improvements and initiatives that have been led uh, and driven and continues to be driven uh, out of our teams. It is really something that is uh, awe-inspiring. And so, um, so while you know, I'm sure we're not the only university that's ever implemented software, obviously, um, I can definitely say that we're doing it in a way that is incredibly rare and that uh, I hope that we will continue to do so, but perhaps not at the same clip, just so that we're all uh, able to kind of take a breather and, and get things down to something that's a bit more manageable. And if I'm not mistaken, your, your area in IT services has grown over the last several years with, um, I'm just going to call them for now, some distributed units welcomed in. What's the strategy and benefit of that approach? Well, I think the, the, the overarching goal um, really is to make sure that we are developing um, knowledge, right? developing technical knowledge, as well as developing business process and software product knowledge. And the groupings of um, team members, uh, whether they come in from the outside or they come in from within ITS, um, really our goal is, is oftentimes to curate knowledge so that way we're able to apply that knowledge and supporting the university. And so overall, when you look at, you know, whether it's uh, research, whether it's a student system, whether it's, uh, you know, UCSD extension, um, there's been lots and lots of um, uh, changes in recent years to really incorporate and to um, build teams uh, within ITS uh, that really focuses on curating that knowledge. And so where there are opportunities to share information, share technology, share products, share best practices, that really is the whole point of doing this. So that way, you know, the, the opportunities to take advantage of the good work that is happening, whether it was in ITS or outside of ITS, um, should never be forgotten because I think that's one of the major benefits of uh, going through and, and pulling these teams together. Now that they're part of IT services, how are they maintaining their connectedness, if you will, to the, the business and their, the customers out there? So from, from uh, the overarching service management concept and framework that we have in ITS, 
really uh, many of the folks who are the points of contact with their um, with their partners out in the business um, remain the same. To a lot of folks, I would say that you know things shouldn't appear to be changing a lot. Things should be very gradual um, in the sense that you know we're looking at bringing betterment and improvement through our efforts. But at the same time, it's really really important that the groups that are aligned with our business partners continue to become experts of their business processes and the systems that run their run their operation. And so in a lot of ways, I would say that the connectedness uh, of teams that have joined ITS is paramount. And I would say that in many cases, the points of contact have largely remained the same. And we're simply bringing uh, more experts and more um, support uh, by, by blending the expertise from one team to the other. All right, we're going to wind down with a little bit of Kevin get to know. So it's my job as a, a crack interviewer to try to get you to open up here. But softball to start off. How long have you worked at UC San Diego and why did you stay so long? Great timing on this question because I just got my uh, service award for 15 years. And, uh, and I would say it's been a blink of an eye. Uh, did not expect 15 years to go by so quickly. Um, I went to school here, as uh, many of you and some of you know, uh, as an undergrad. Uh, and after graduation, um, I was working here full time while I was uh, attending grad school. And, uh, and as part of that really um, is because I like it here. I think that's the best way uh, to explain the why have you stayed so long. I, you know, I met my uh, spouse uh, in the dorms, uh, you know, my freshman year. Um, we have two uh, beautiful kids. Both of them were born at the UC San Diego Medical Center. And, uh, and you know, I, I've spent uh, a lot of time here. And so I think the best way to answer it is, you know, the work is really incredible. The impact uh, is, is something that you could really be proud of. And, uh, and it's incredibly rewarding to be doing some of the stuff that we're doing. And, uh, and the, the, the best way to sum up why I stay so long is because I like it here. Uh, and I'm passionate about the work that I do. And you mentioned the grad school. So if I'm not mistaken, you went to law school. We won't hold that against you. Uh, <laughs> so why, why'd you go to law school? Um, why didn't you pursue that as a career? And then how, if at all, does that knowledge help in your current role? So the, the why really is um, predicated on the fact that, you know, at one point and even today, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Right. So I had gone to UC San Diego in the uh, Jacob School of Engineering as a computer science major. And a couple of years in, I realized that, you know, I was uh, more interested in working with people than I was working on computers. And, uh, and that's totally fine. Uh, so, you know, I started to look into grad school. Law school uh, was something that was very interesting to me. But even then, I didn't think that, you know, just because I'm going to law school, that means I was going to be an attorney. And so lo and behold, right, uh, towards the end of my law school career, um, I was really, really interested in some of the work that was happening at UC San Diego, um, particularly you know, in the forming and the creation of IT services. And so uh, uh, at the end of that uh, sort of academic career, um, I decided to stay at UC San Diego and transfer all of the uh, learning and all of the knowledge into whatever role I was going to have uh, here. And so, um, you know, kind of transitioning that to the second part of your question, you know, how does that knowledge help? Well, it helps tremendously. Just because uh, I don't necessarily practice law on a day-to-day -day basis um, doesn't mean the skill set isn't being applied. So, you know, as we all know, we, we buy a lot of software. 
lots of software purchases through agreements and contracts. So contract law uh, is, of course, really interesting and, uh, and very helpful to have. There's a lot of skills that you learn in law school as it relates to how you think, how you process, how you analyze, um, how you debate, how you negotiate. Uh, and I think all of those things have been tremendously uh, helpful and complementary in both this role that I've been doing as well as roles I've had in the past. Well, I agree with you that contract law would be helpful, probably part ways on how interesting it would be, but to each their own. You mentioned your family a second ago, so if you just want to restate as much as you want, who's involved and maybe, what, what do you guys like to do for fun? I have a, uh, a two-year-old daughter. Uh, her name is Skylar. Uh, she goes by Sky. Uh, we have a six-year-old. Um, his name is Alexander. Um, he goes by Lex. Uh, and, uh, and so, you know, just, just uh, the four of us, um, we uh, enjoy uh, travel. Um, and uh, one of the things that, um, that we would like to resume doing uh, at some point um, is, of course, uh, to see the country. And uh, one of the things that complements that is we like camping. And so, uh, so being able to road trip and to see parts of the country that we haven't been to while camping along the way would be awesome. And uh, since our two-year-old hasn't really gone out of the house much uh, since she was basically growing up in the middle of the pandemic, that is something that we're really, really looking forward to. All right, we're going to close it down here. What's something about you that you're willing to share that maybe a lot of coworkers don't know? Pass. <laughs> well, no, I, I'm just kidding. I, I mean, I, I, uh, I don't know. Uh, so, so, so kind of going back to right. So I've been here for a long time. I've known a lot of folks that are uh, in this department. So I'm trying to think of something that most coworkers probably don't know. I don't know that most coworkers would imagine me as a as a camper, uh, so to speak. Um, yeah, I mean, being out in uh, in the, the wild, so to speak, right, into the wild with no cell phone reception or as little cell phone reception and electricity as possible. Um, most coworkers, uh, colleagues here at IT services would probably think that that would drive me insane. Um, and the answer is absolutely it drives me insane, but that's part of the detox, right? And so being so attached to uh, my email, my phone, electronics, uh, one of the things that is really appealing to me as it relates to going camping uh, is the fact that it, it does give me that opportunity to, to take a, a bit of a disconnect from uh, being connected. And so, uh, so, yeah, so most people probably don't know that, uh, that I really, really enjoy camping. All right, we got there in the end. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us on the current podcast. All right, thank you very much for having me. I sure hope you're enjoying this podcast. Remember to let your fellow IT services staff members know that this podcast exists. Get everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you can get your podcasts. This podcast is a collaborative effort, and we want to hear from you. If you have any ideas for podcasts or topics, send them to me at its-podcast at ucsd.edu. That's it for today. Keep an ear out for the next episode of The Current Daily.